Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and around the world, this is your host for the David Harris Jr. Show. Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and literally around the world, this is another episode with your host, David J. Harris Jr. And today I have a a gentleman that I have been so excited to get on my show. I've been following him on Twitter for a very long time. He has a huge platform on Twitter, on YouTube. He has his own podcast. He goes by the handle, The Praying Medic, Praying Medic. And his name is Dave Hayes. Dave, so honored and privileged to have you on my show today with me, brother. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on the show. Glad to be here. A- absolutely. It's a pleasure. I know you're probably, uh, I know we spoke before, you're you're partaking as most of us are. You know, I think it's nine out of 10 Americans are on this self-isolation lockdown. How are you holding up? How are you handling it? How is your wife handling it? Well, I am a writer by trade and my comfort zone is hanging out here in my cave and writing. And I'm working on two books at a time right now. I just started a, a new science fiction trilogy and I'm working on the second uh, book in a Q series. So I'm in my comfort zone. I get to hang out. You know, I can chat with people on social media, but uh, I'm doing very well working on my books and uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. Good. I love to hear individuals being productive with their time. I know I'm currently doing the same thing, working on my second book. And I encourage all these listeners or viewers to be productive. You know, use this time that you've now, you know, people always say, I don't have time to get this done. I don't have time to get that done. No more excuses. We all have plenty no of time excuses. right now. Uh, going to be locked down at least through the end of April. And, and some parts started. have already said, some yeah. states have already said it could be uh, into May. So, Glad to hear that you are making the best of your time. So, Dave, you would consider yourself somewhat of an expert. You've been following Q and this whole Q phenomenon for quite a while. And I've seen your posts. I see your tweets. And I've been running a series um, on individuals that follow Q just to get a deeper dive, bring my audience into what what individuals like yourself. I personally haven't been following Q as much as you have, as much as a lot of people have. But I'm very intrigued by what I continue to hear and the correlations from what I see taking place, especially right now during this current pandemic uh, and things that I hear those that follow Q believe. So let me just start off by asking you this question first. Who uh, There's a Q and a Q plus that posts on this, you know, 4chan or it's gone to 8chan. It's basically a, a platform that can't be tracked with an IP address. So it's pretty uh, there's there's anonymity there. Individuals can post and they're not outed as to who they are. Who do you believe Q plus is? Evidence that I've seen and the information uh, leads to the probability that Q plus is President Trump. Okay, so what what evidence would you would you put forth as for believing that? Well, one of the I think the strongest lines of evidence is that there are there are a number of different things that we look at when we analyze Q's posts. One of the things you look at is timestamps. So you can look at when Q posts on the board, it's actually on 8kun right now. 8chan got deplatformed. They the owner came back with another platform called 8kun. So you go to 8kun and when Q is posting, you can take screenshots, look at the timestamps of the posts. There is a high level of synchronicity with tweets by the president. So Q, over the course of his entire operation, 
has been posting about on average four or five times a day over the course of two and a half years. Q or Q plus? The president. Q plus. Yeah, Q and Q plus. So okay. the president tweets probably an average of 10 or 12 times a day, maybe, you know, give or take. I haven't actually mapped it out. So don't quote me on those numbers, but about a dozen times a day. So Q has posted at exactly the same time as the president tweeted uh, at least 25 occasions. I think it's probably closer to 40 different occasions right now. And that's a remarkable like down to the second, the or Q, I guess with, with Twitter, you can't right. really, it doesn't so show you within, seconds, within, it shows you minutes. So down to the minute, within, there's no. been a, 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 okay. a, and is it the same post or is it different content? Okay. There are websites that you can go to, like if you just put in a search engine, uh, Trump's tweets, they have a timeline of the president's tweets, deleted ones and ones that have not been deleted. And they'll give you the time of the post right down to the second. Really? To the second? So okay. you have hours, minutes. And, yeah. It's, it's, all, it's all tracked very carefully. All right. Um, so you can get down to the seconds whenever there's a Trump tweet. All right. Trump Twitter archive is one link. If you just put in a search engine, Trump Twitter archive, you go there. It has all of Trump's tweets, current ones and deleted ones. And it has all the timestamps down to the second. So, okay. I didn't realize it was down uh, to a second. Q's, yep. Q's posts are also, when you go to the board, actually, most of the websites that aggregate Q's posts, they have the timestamp with hours, minutes, and seconds. So Q has posted at the same time as Trump, but before Trump, within one minute, on at least 30 to 40 occasions. Now... Here's wow. where it gets interesting. So this, so Q will post and then Trump will tweet within 60 seconds. That happens pretty often. Now, it happened one time that was very interesting. Q had been off the board for three months and had not posted. Now, this was from September, October, let's see, August, September, and October of 2019 when 8chan got deplatformed. Q did not post for three months. Q comes back on a Kuhn, uh, Jim Watkins' new platform. And he begins posting. He's using the same trip code. So we know it's the same person who was posting on the previous board under that trip code. Q came back for three or four days, five days, and was and only had a few posts to let us know he was back. Then he notified the board, board owners, that he was going to change his trip code. Okay. So he posted about a trip code change coming. And he also indicated in that, in that post, it was going to be a re-verification of his identity. Okay. Hmm. So he posts that on the board and with, and less than a minute later, Trump posts a tweet. All right. So those two posts came simultaneously and Q had not posted very much for like three months. Did so the, did the again, tweet and the, the post correlate the at all? At well, they didn't. Generally speaking, the content of Q's post and the content of Trump's tweets are not usually uh, of the same subject. Sometimes okay. they are. Most of the time they're not. 
The, the interesting thing with the timestamps is Q post says he's going to re reconfirm his identity. And 15 seconds later, Trump tweets. <laughs> and maybe and Trump hasn't tweeted for like eight hours. And then boom, Trump all of a sudden tweets, same time Q posts. Then Q comes back on the board and posts with a new trip code. Changes his trip code, lets the board know, know he has a new trip code. So, so the, the only thing, way for, for QAnons or the, the only way that people would have any connection between the two is if they've been following Q and they're following his Twitter, then for, for the president to have not post tweeted for several hours, seven or eight hours for him to post on, on the eight coon channel and then to post on Twitter and then immediately change it. So that kind of correlation is kind of a way that you're saying maybe that was him trying to just say, Hey, this is, this is me. Right. So a lot of the confirmations of Q's identity are not direct one-to-one confirmations. Right. They are indirect references. You sort of have to draw your own conclusion about, is this a coincidence? Right. Or not? Because at this point in the operation, Trump has not directly confirmed that he is involved in or authorized in the Q operation. I think at some point that's going to happen. I believe at some point Trump is going to tell the whole world, yes, Q is my intelligence operation. Hasn't done that yet. I think it's coming. They've been, they have been goading the media, trying to get them to ask the question, and the media won't ask the question. That's so interesting. When Trump is at That's a rally, true. when Trump and, is and at a rally, I believe he has retweeted Q posts. Yeah. <laughs> he he like retweeted 70 he retweeted, times. He retweets a lot said, of 70 times. The president's retweeted a Q post. No, the president doesn't retweet Q posts. He re- he retweets posts by people who follow Q. So Got me, you. Lisa May, uh, other people who are in the in the Q movement, Trump will retweet us. And the mainstream media always notices that. They'll go and write an article complaining that Trump retweeted 12 Q accounts on Friday. You know, what is he doing? Why is he endorsing these people? Doesn't he know that they're crazy conspiracy theorists? Well, why is Trump retweeting a dozen accounts that follow Q on one day? You know, is he's that retweeted, just a random coincidence? He's retweeted oh, yeah. 12 people, the 12 QAnons, Q followers or QAnons. He's retweeted they write 12, news, 12 in they one write day. They write articles about this. When, it, when he does it, they write articles saying, why is Trump retweeting all these <laughs> Q accounts on one day? Well, you know, back and look and to me, that speaks volumes. You know, the, the coincidences or so likely uh, we, we could call them as far as the correlation between the post on, on the private channel, 8Kun it's called now, 4chan, 8chan, 8Kun, the posting there and then within 60 seconds, a tweet from the president. I, I could see how if he's, you know, he's talking to one audience on his phone, he's posting and then he goes and he changes it and he's, you know, tweeting that makes sense. I could see that. But the fact that he would retweet Q's, you know, QAnon's on his Twitter page with 70 plus million followers or whatever, he has to either understand. He obviously is a very brilliant man. He's he's smart. He either would have to throw away the idea of Q and all their supposed conspiracy theory nonsense that the mainstream media continues to purport and he'd be willingly attaching himself to something that is so, you know, blasted by the mainstream media as conspiracy theorists theories, or he's doing it willingly because he supports it. To me, for him to continue to do that means the latter, that he knows what Q's right. about and he's supporting and the, the mission of those that are supporting Q. 
and a logical person would have to ask themselves, why hasn't Trump distanced himself or, you know, basically disavowed any knowledge or involvement with Q and these people yet? If right. he's, he's kind of right. giving tacit approval by not disavowing them. And yeah, so the, you know, the question that. is why, why? Like I said, I think it's, I think at some point Trump is going to publicly announce his involvement in the operation, but that hasn't happened so, yet. I think it will. So Q plus is the president or believed to believe to be the president. And then there's Q that posts on this private Chan as well. That is right. uh, <laughs> supposed to be made up of generals, leaders, military leaders, and individuals that are under his command, so to speak, that are still active. Are they all active or non-active, but just still, still very know. Uh, aware of what's going on? Who is Q? We, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know for sure any of the Q team members. Uh, so anyone who says Q or the Q team is this person or these people or whatever, they're just guessing. There's no way to know who is on the Q team. However, okay. everyone has their suspicions. Everyone has their list of who they think it is. Um, I think it would be very hard for Dan Scavino not to be on the Q team because mm. Scavino manages Trump's Facebook and Twitter accounts. And yeah. the yeah. the synchronicity between Trump's tweets and Q's posts would necessarily involve Scavino in the operation. So I, I think it's a safe safe to say that Scavino is probably on the team. Interesting. <clears throat> uh, Q, yeah, Dan, Dan's Q a, a friend. Made, He's he's the one that he's <laughs> one of the individuals that shared my videos with the president. I was in the White House oh, last month in the Oval Office, and I I got to talk to Jared Kushner, and he shared with me that he was one of the ones that shared one of my first videos with the president as well. Dan's a pretty solid guy. We yeah, really like Dan Scavino. He does a heck of a job for this president. It, it would not uh, so surprise me. Kushner, there. It would not surprise me if Kushner is also part of the team. Ah, wouldn't surprise me. I, like I said, I don't know, but. There, Q has said that there are less than 10 people can confirm me. Only of those less than 10, only three are non-military. So hmm. you know, on the non-military side, my list would be Scavino, Trump, maybe Kushner, maybe maybe Don Jr. or, or Eric. Someone, it's all, I'm assuming, people very close to the president. On the military side, you've got possibilities, right? Maybe General Flynn, maybe Admiral Rogers, probably some people in the NSA, right? And and this is just a guess. You know, you don't you don't really know. A lot right. of Q's operation revolves right. around military operations, military codes, uh, a, a lot of discussion of the NSA. Q at one point asked, what is the NSA Q directorate? Why is this relevant? Well the Q directorate is the NSA's law enforcement Directorate, they're responsible for investigating leaks of classified information. They're, the Q Directorate, for example, is responsible for bringing Edward Snowden to justice hmm. because Snowden leaked the PRISM and X key score programs, and that was NSA. So the Q Directorate is actually going after Snowden. So I, I, I so strongly do, suspect do, let me ask you this though. NSA people. Don't most don't most QAnons appreciate Snowden for what he tried to do, sounding the alarm on what the what the Obama administration was doing and how they were how he was weaponizing the NSA? So let me ask you this. 
Who did Snowden first work for when he joined the intelligence community? I don't know. CIA. So he was a part of the CIA. He was first hired by the CIA. Yeah. He was pretty tight with John Brennan. Really? He, yes. He did all of his training with the CIA. It wasn't until 2013. He joined the CIA, I think, in 2006. It wasn't until 2013 that he became an NSA contractor. Hmm. He became an NSA contractor and almost immediately got himself in a position where he had access to NSA spy tools. He then grabs the NSA spy tools, Prism and X Keyscore, and steals them and then works with the Guardian to make all this information public, which discredits the NSA. Now, here's the interesting thing. NSA has their charter allows them to do domestic surveillance. CIA does not have a charter that allows them to do domestic surveillance. CIA Mm -hmm. can only do foreign surveillance. All right. Why did Snowden, why did Snowden go to Hong Kong to release the files and then go to Russia how did he get to Hong Kong with an international hold, worldwide hold on his passport, a national security hold? Because as soon as he left the NSA, <clears throat> they put a uh, security hold on his passport worldwide. How did he get to Hong Kong? And then how did he get to Russia uh, with think? an international hold on his passport? Well, how, who, I think the think CIA helped him. I think the CIA helped him get to Hong Kong and then helped him get to Russia. Snowden. Man. The, my so my the, perspective what's the on point Snowden, then? I mean, he's been made out as su- supposedly made out as, as like a hero. hero trying to blow the whistle. To, to my understanding, it was of, of Obama's, you know, NSA spying on Americans and trying to blow the whistle on that. Why wouldn't he be in Obama's back pocket? Why would he be causing a stir of, okay. of that nature at so that time? What what did what did the leak of the information do? It discredited the reputation of the NSA and call it. Members of Congress and other people demanded that the NSA be be reined in, yeah, which would give the CIA an advantage. <laughs> there it comes back around to the crooked CIA. Right. So, what if Brennan wanted to have greater surveillance authority, maybe yep. even get domestic surveillance authority? Wow. How do you do that? You discredit the NSA. That makes sense. Goodness gracious. Well, that goes against a lot of uh, all the movies that have been made about Snowden and everything else. I mean, again, yes. you, you got to be paying attention when you're hearing anything come out of Hollywood trying to explain, you know, a, a traitor or something that was done. Anything out of Hollywood, period. There's, you got a second chance. You got a second yeah. guess. So there's that been a goes long back war. To, I know you posted on uh, Twitter. You posted a picture of JFK basically acknowledging, saying, I will splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter it into the winds. That was JFK that said that. What do you think the uh, the connection between JFK, JFK Jr., you know, he, he JFK publicly spoke about splinter, split, uh, splintering the, the uh, CIA. Do you think that this is still, you know, something that since the 60s has just continued to grow into this deep state that we all hear the president talk about and some of his administration and, and talk about now that, that the, the, the president is fighting and that we are seeing we're seeing the tentacles of this thing come out in so many different ways. Yep, I do. 
I think mm. that uh, John Kennedy knew about the military industrial complex. I mean, his predecessor talked extensively about it, Eisenhower. Uh, Eisenhower warned Americans about the growing threat of the military industrial complex. Kennedy comes in, he's aware of it. He threatens to get rid of the CIA and Kennedy ends up getting killed. Now, one thing that's interesting, like I said, I've never been a conspiracy theorist. I've never followed theories and, and, and conjecture about Kennedy's assassination. 9-11, all the other incidents that people are always digging into and developing alternate theories of. I've never really followed that, that stuff. Doesn't interest me. What does interest me, though, is that a couple of years ago, Trump declassified and made public some of the documents from the Kennedy assassination. And one of the things, and I read this, one of the things that came out was that there were actually two angles of attack, two shooters that killed Kennedy. One was a, a bullet wound to the head, to the, the side of the head. And another one was a bullet wound to the anterior throat that came through the windshield of the presidential limousine. So there were two shooters and it's in the, the released unredacted or, or the uh, unclassified files. So where was I Unfortunately, when, when did that break? The conspiracy theorists were about that. Go. Right. So Trump, not long after Trump got elected, he went and declassified a whole bunch of documents. And that's what it shows. They, they had the autopsy report shows that there were two shooters. And you've read so, that yourself and seen it. it. Where can where can viewers go? Yes. Where can our listeners yeah. go to actually look at that up? Because I'm always you, a big proponent do, of just, doing your own research, right? <laughs> Don't just take our words for it, but go do your own research. Yes. Where could somebody go to see that report? Do, do a search on the files that Trump released on the Kennedy assassination. And just you have to plow through the documents and find the autopsy report. And you'll find out that they noted there was a bullet hole through the windshield that would correspond with the bullet hole in the anterior throat, in addition wow. to the, the gun, gunshot went from the side. So it, it, rather than one shooter, we know that there were two shooters. What does that tell you? Well, it was an op. It was a planned who, op, yeah. Who was behind the operation, right? You can guess. Yeah. We know that the CIA does a lot of assassinations of political leaders. They have yep. been for a long time. It's not a big hidden secret. So I, yeah, I believe that... Trump is correct that he knows there is a deep state that involves uh, members of the intelligence community, members of military contractors, members of Hollywood, members in the media, people in bankers, uh, wealthy people, royalty, members of the royal family. There is this uh, organization, it's a loosely constructed organization of people who are largely have been for a long time pulling the strings and controlling, controlling the narrative, controlling global events to a large degree, trying to bring to fruition their agenda, which is to rule over the entire world with their small little handful of people. And people like Trump are standing in the way of that. Well, he absolutely, so, you know, is standing in the way of that. And I think that his his motto, you know, going into the, you know, one of his phrases, one of his slogans of draining the swamp, I think it was literal. You know, we I think we as Americans are waking up to the fact of just how dirty and deep the corruption is and has been. When you look at Epstein, you look at Weinstein, you look at all these, you know, corrupt individuals, you look at Hillary and you look at Uma Abedin and, and Wiener 
and all the stuff that was going on there. And it takes us back to where there's 150,000 plus sealed indictments that the the Inspector General uh, Barr, William Barr, is currently sitting on. A prime example of those sealed indictments is that I believe he released like eight of those sealed indictments a week or so ago. And it charged 16 of Maduro's, you know, Maduro and his uh, and his leadership um, with uh, acts of, you know, acts of terrorism, laundering, money laundering, all these all these nefarious things. That's just an example of eight indictment indictments being released. So you all believe QAnon's believe that there's one hundred and fifty thousand indictments that are are still sealed that are going to be unsealed soon. Well, that's that fair to say it's not something you have to take on faith. You can go on Pacer.gov and you can find the sealed cases. It's not a question of whether they exist or not. They exist. If you, if you go on Pacer.gov Pacer. and you sign in, create an account, and you can sign in, you can go state by state and you can look at all the sealed cases on Pacer.gov. Now, there's a little bit of misinformation about that. Not all those cases are indictments. Okay. Okay. So it's a it's the docket of federal... of cases in federal courts nationwide. And it has the status of a lot of those cases and whether they are sealed or unsealed. A lot of these, a lot of the cases happen to be sealed. And we've been following the number of sealed cases in federal courts since December 21st of 2017, when Trump signed the executive order allowing the Treasury Department to freeze the assets of people and organizations involved in human rights abuse, human trafficking, and corruption. When Trump signed that order, executive order on December 21st, Q told us start follow, start tracking two things, one of which was sealed indictments. The other was CEO resignations. Now, that, that day when Trump signed that executive order, Eric Schmidt resigned from C, uh, as CEO of Google. Since then... Over 12,000 CEOs, chief financial officers, and chief operating officers have resigned in this, <laughs> in the lead up to what's going on right now. That is crazy. So that was, back in, that was back in 2017. Q December 21st, posted. 2017. Q said, track CEO resignations. Wow. We, I mean, Bill Gates wow. just, re, just resigned from the board of Microsoft as a CEO yeah. of Microsoft, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. And all yeah, now he's being interviewed Bob all Iger over the place. Even Fox Disney. is having him on to talk about, yeah. you know, his prepared, his pandemic yeah. preparedness and, you know, his whole meeting, 201 meeting, whatever, with the World Health Organization. And, you know, uh, I think John Hopkins that just happened in November. That's a whole other issue we can get into in a little bit if you if you want to. Yep. But just just the fact that Q would post, pay attention to, to CEO stepping down, because what CEO steps down? It's like when you've reached a, a pinnacle, right? I'm a CEO in my health and wellness company, uncorkedliving.com. We built this company for almost seven years. I've been, I've been CEOs in other companies, but we're still just a, a small company, right? If you're a big company and you've reached the pinnacle of being the CEO, you fight for your job. You don't just step down, right? You know, you, you fight to stay right. there. You fight to stay in good with the board and you fight to make sure that you can keep that position. So for a CEO to just willingly step down, is pretty remarkable, and then to, then and then to hear how many CEOs since then have stepped down twelve thousand. Yeah, we have a, a one of our anons, a resignation anon on Twitter. He keeps an updated list, and there are over twelve thousand CEOs, chief financial officers, and chief operating officers who have resigned in the since December of twenty seventeen. 
Wow. Going That's going back to the sealed cases. So right. the history on that is back about 10 years ago, there was a federal judge who did an audit. He, he kind of just over the course of a year looked at how many sealed federal cases there were on in the federal dockets around the country. And he came up with a, li- a little more than a thousand sealed cases in this one particular year, calendar year. That's kind what of been used it? as, I, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was, it might have been 2011 or 2010. It was about okay. 10 years ago. I don't have the exact date of the year. But in when I first started researching the sealed indictments, uh, there are news articles that you can find that discuss this judge's findings. He was doing some research and he just decided to count up all the sealed cases on the federal court dockets. That particular year, there was a little more than a thousand sealed cases. So if you kind of assume that that was, yeah, in the entire country, if you assume that that was a typical year, that there's a thousand sealed federal cases on an average year, uh, what does it mean when there are over 150,000 sealed cases in federal courts right now? Wow. Um, (laughs) That is pretty alarming. Now, here's here's an example. Uh, remember when the feds picked up that guy? I forget his name. He was a he was a witness in the Mueller investigation, and he had come back from France, and they picked him up at LaGuardia, and they booked him for possession of child pornography. Yes, right. I remember hearing he, about that. Yeah. Remember that news story? I forget yeah. the guy's name, but he was a yeah. big time witness in Mueller's investigation. Well, what a lot of people don't realize is I think they picked him up in June or July, but his indictment. Had he had been indicted a year and a half earlier, and the indictment was sealed. Wow! And they waited until wow. he came, at the right time, and he came back to the states, and they picked him up. So, wow! It's not unusual for high level, high profile people like this to have sealed indictments and to not know about it. Right. Man, that That's, is interesting. Well, you know, I mean, as far yeah. as as far as my level of understanding. Uh, that the the human trafficking trafficking in children, you'd have to be just completely naive to think that that's not taking place and taking place at the highest levels. A good friend of mine, Yako Buyans, is one of the leaders in fighting sex trafficking, and he's I've had him on my my show, my podcast before, and he's talked about how it's the it's the chief of police, it's the head of the fire department, it's the principal, it's the CEO, it's the janitor, it's the guy next door, it's rampant, it's everybody, and nobody is is off limits to jumping into that level of depravity and and just true horror and evil as far as child trafficking. So to understand that, to believe that, understand that, and then to see and hear that there's 150,000 or close to that sealed indictments and that gentleman that came back just being one example, you know, it's something that I hope, you know, is, is, is something that comes to fruition and taking every single one of those individuals to justice, bringing them to justice and and holding them accountable. We know that the DOJ is investigating the accomplices of Jeffrey Epstein because the day after Epstein died in his jail cell, the DOJ put out an announcement asking witnesses and victims to come forward because they they were going to be investigating all of Epstein's accomplices. So anyone, you know, high level people who were involved in Epstein's crimes or people related to him who are involved in human trafficking and, and everything else, those people are not out of the woods. DOJ is investigating them. They're getting, they've been getting statements 
from witnesses and victims. So at some point, that investigation is going to end and those people are going to be indicted. Good. Throw the book at them. Ring them all up. And just and just so we're all clear, uh, clear Epstein did not kill himself. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk now about we're, we're all self-isolating. We got into this beginning in the beginning. The coronavirus, the Chinese Wuhan virus, it originated in Wuhan, China. The president took so much flack for just saying it, but the mainstream media had been saying it. Obviously, now it's caused just a massive amount of of pandemic fear. We're not working. Americans aren't working. There's Americans that are getting hit harder than others. Obviously, if you're living in a tighter quarters, you know, I was on a a call actually earlier today for a, a campaign called Black Voices for Trump. And Diamond was actually sharing that she's hearing from a lot of individuals that are in inner cities that are really scared because they feel like they're being targeted more. I don't think they're being targeted more. I just think it's the living conditions. People living so close together, especially in areas that to, you know are always seem to be ran by Democrats, where there's more projects uh, and people living in close quarters. Maybe the cleanliness level of cleanliness isn't there as much. It's going to spread a lot faster and a lot and a lot. It's going to spread a lot faster. Period. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with race. But it was something interesting you shared with me when I was asking you about this, you know, current coronavirus, as you said, you were actually more, more concerned with China than the actual coronavirus itself. Why, why would you suggest that? Yeah, well, if you look at what China has been doing over the last, gosh, 20 years, and, and if you look objectively at what China has been doing, you should be concerned They have been making great inroads into and trying to what it looks like get a a corner on the market in certain technology, right? So, you know, Huawei is one company that has been in the headlines a lot lately. Huawei and and their their phone and communications technology has been the source of a lot of controversy. Last year, the Defense Department put out a rule forbidding any DOD employees to use Huawei phones Hmm. because of national security concerns. They, Mike Pompeo, just over the last couple of weeks, has been getting into uh, further, more and more tense discussions with our partners in NATO over sharing of intelligence. And Pompeo has pretty much drawn a red line in the sand saying, if you're going to use Huawei hardware and software, we are probably not going to be sharing highly secret intelligence with you because they know it's going back to China. Yeah, Huawei has, it has put into their software and their hardware a lot of surveillance technology, and they're taking that information and it's all going back to the Communist Chinese Party. Well, I just so, heard last night... <laughs> A gentleman, I believe, it, I'm not sure where he was a senator from, but he was speaking. He was speaking in the Senate. And he was talking about how TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, and they've banned the use of TikTok. TikTok is a new social, you know, media craze. It was the most downloaded app of 2019, and it is it's doing the same thing. It's sharing data and going right back, right back yeah. to the CCP. They, you know, China's what they party. do is they. They provide a platform. They provide entertainment. They, they provide some needed service. Google provides email, YouTube videos, everything else that people want and need. They provide it free and you become the product that they 
are taken advantage of. So they take all your data. They, your, your, they track your location in real time. We now know that Google has basically said they're tracking coronavirus yeah. compliance in real time on this app. So Facebook, Twitter, Google, all the tech companies, they've been tracking our location. They've been taking all of our conversations, all our information, all of our data. And you know, there's a reason why Attorney General Barr is personally overseeing an investigation of Google right now <laughs> because there's a lot of corrupt practices in these software companies and tech companies. And I, I believe Barr is going to get to the bottom of this. A lot of the technology is a lot of the information and data is helping China. Here's an example. When it came out that Google was working with China to create a censored search engine called Dragonfly to use inside the walls of China, inside of their little internet, um, there was a huge outcry because everyone knows that the Communist Chinese Party is very oppressive, is they've created a, a monstrous surveillance state. And Apparently Google not everybody knows that, Dave, because we continue to hear <laughs> Chinese propaganda coming out of American journalists' mouth. Uh, yes, it's it's, well, it's really a they sad know it's, thing. They know it's true. They won't they won't talk about it though. The the yeah. journalists know damn well about the oppressive uh, agenda of China, but they have been told not to. They've been told to present a certain angle on China. Yeah. So Google creates yeah. this um, censored, heavily censored search engine for China uh, that is going to help track and further enslave Chinese people to their government, right? So all this technology is, it's a huge issue. We've got, there is, uh, people should be, I think, concerned about the level of involvement that China has brought into American culture, politics, economics, everything. How did Diane Feinstein have a, an aide working for her for 20 years who was a spy for China and she yeah. didn't know it? Exactly. How, how, does that, how is that possible? Exactly. And how has Feinstein not so, been hemmed up already? Right. Right. So I think that, you know, when I look at what Secretary Pompeo and other people who are in the know, what they're saying about China, they've been sending off alarms. What's going on in the South China Sea? Military has been expressing concerns about escalation in the South China Sea ever since Trump got into office. That is a potential powder keg. I think that China poses a much more serious threat to American safety than most people realize. And the funny thing is, during the 2016 election, politicians and the media continued to tell people that the real threat was Russia. Right. And all this time for the last 20 years, China has been secretly stealing our technology, stealing our intelligence working to get information from our politicians. I think China is a much bigger threat. In fact, Chris Ray, FBI director, has given a number of speeches where he outlined point by point the level of threat that China poses to the United States, to national security, to a lot of other things. A lot of the fentanyl, most of the fentanyl that's coming into the country that is killing Americans, it comes from China. 
there you want to ask you might ask yourself does china actually have an agenda with pushing tons of fentanyl into the us are they Absolutely. trying to kill us get us addicted kill us um, all of it it's still it's all a form of enslavement so, i i i also so just heard to me to me it's i was ahead. just hearing really quick that one of the uh that wells fargo one of their main shareholders is a chinese individual I'm very wealthy, I'm sure, that is part of the CCP, apparently part of the CCP. And when the crash happened in 08, it was the it was Wells Fargo that was underbidding so many of the loans and going into that. And so when people couldn't pay their mortgages and it went back to Wells Fargo, now who winds up holding the notes or the the, the controlling interest in all these homes? So you look at not just mortgages, but you look at how much property, you look at the port that uh, the China was trying to buy in the United States. Yep. I forget which port it was, but China's uh, been Long making Beach a very port. concerted effort to take over the United States for decades. <clears throat> I wish the, I the, wish the, the American belt, people would road. understand with this current pandemic and the fear and the anxiety that people feel right now about the virus. I wish people felt that way with that much concern over China and any politician's connection to China. Right. Well, the one belt, one road policy for China is really a way for the Communist Chinese Party to fund other nations building of infrastructure. And then when they default on the loans that they took out to build the infrastructure, China then takes over ownership of the asset. And that's what they essentially did with the port of Long Beach. Yes, they were. They were this close to taking over control of the port of Long Beach. And finally, the government stepped in and said, no, you're out. We're not going to let your, you take over one of our main shipping ports. Yeah. And they, so wanted, they were going to have it for like decades. Are, are to that. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So the coronavirus, I know you want to talk about that. You know, the coronavirus is real. I don't doubt that it is an, an actual pathogen that is actually killing a lot of people. I've been in healthcare for 35 years. I've seen a lot of uh, epidemics and pandemics come and go. I was, you know, I was working as a medic when we had scares about the hantavirus, the Ebola outbreak, H1N1. I just got on the list. I've gone through a lot of these different cycles of different epidemics and pandemics. To me, the outbreak of uh, coronavirus looks very similar to any other outbreak, other than the media's response to it. Hmm. The media's response has been absolutely unexplainable. When I first started tracking the media's response to it back in early March, I was just like, what are they doing? They are pushing day after day headlines of fear and panic. It looked to me like an intentional operation to panic people, to panic investors. And, and after I watched a couple of weeks of news cycles play out, it was obvious what they were doing. They were trying to get draw, uh, drive fear and panic into the financial markets, collapse the stock market, collapse businesses. I, don't, I never anticipated that we would all be on lockdown and they would just shut down thousands of businesses across the country and millions of people would be out of work. So uh, that there's two, is just there's two sides I, I that, coin that, that I see. Because, and I want to get into, I want to get into the core, the connections that we talked about before we before we got started here between between Pelosi holding on to the articles of impeachment and the 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 trail basically that this whole pandemic has then caused in our country but there's two sides of of the 
of the spectrum. I, I do understand that and I do see that the mainstream media has completely responded to this differently, a lot faster. You know, H1N1, the President Obama, he didn't say anything for six months, but it also took, what, six months before the United States reached a thousand deaths in the, in our country. Right. So the pre- I don't think the president is bowing at the whim of the mainstream media. I know that he's not, but I know, I do believe that he's listening to the individuals that are around him that have specific information about this. What's interesting to me is that they still haven't from the from the president and his task force, they haven't announced or said exactly what the virus is made up of. Not that I've seen or heard. Have you have you heard him share exactly what the virus is made up of? It's it's RNA, DNA comparts. No. So I had a friend on Gary Haven. He's uh, he's very successful businessman, billionaire, philanthropist, owns his own planes, does a lot of work in Haiti, has shipped a lot of food around the around other needy uh, countries. Uh, loves the president, huge supporter of him. And I had him on about a month ago and he shared with me that he had seen a research study done, I believe from India that actually pointed to the fact that from the study pointed to the fact that the virus was part MERS, part SARS and part HIV. And then from that and from other early rates, he basically said, Italy is where we'll be at in three weeks. This was three weeks ago, and it's pretty much been following the same trajectory. He shared with me, and it's been almost a month ago, three weeks ago, maybe, he said, it's just math. He said, what separates this virus from other viruses is its its contagion and its mortality rate. And he said that because of its contagion, if we don't begin to self-isolate, 40 to 70% of Americans will get it, and one to one and a half percent will die. You're looking at a million plus people. That was three to four weeks ago. Now we're seeing and hearing those same numbers from the president. So it's like I get stuck in the middle between, okay, sure, I could see why the mainstream media would be pushing this narrative of fear and anxiety, but maybe they were right if this thing continues to grow and the mortality rate stays there and 40 plus percent of Americans get this thing, it's going to be one of the worst things. It'll be the, the worst thing to hit the United States since the Spanish flu. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. It's it's really hard to evaluate mortality, morbidity, and infection rates during the epidemic. You yeah. really can only do that accurately when it's all said and done. <clears throat> They're going to have to go through and do further testing to find out how many people were actually exposed to it. They can do that through antibody testing. Anyone who who's, has antibodies to it was exposed to it. So they can take that number, people exposed, Look at the number of deaths, look at the number of you know hospitalizations, intubations, all that, and get some better numbers on it. I'm a little reluctant to weigh in on the you know uh, how deadly and all that until the numbers are out. Uh, yeah, understandably my personal yeah, understandably, <laughs> but now again, we're hearing it from you know Dr. Burks, fauci, their new graphs. If we don't mitigate this thing, right. one and a half million deaths, if we do mitigate it maybe a hundred thousand or more deaths. Right. So it seems like their right. numbers are, are, they're on par with what Gary was talking about. Obviously we don't want any, we want as little as possible, but now let's jump back to if this thing, it obviously originated in China, China hates the United States. They'd love to take us over. They'd love to cause chaos. They'd love for Donald Trump to not be president because he's been very tough on China since the get go. <clears throat> and they would love to have somebody else in office. I'm sure. So you were sharing with me the timing of all these things happening after Pelosi, 
you know, held on to the articles of impeachment instead of, you know, we got to hurry and impeach, impeach, impeach. And she holds on to them for, what, three plus weeks. So share with me your correlation right. and connection and well, what you're hearing from Q or are there connections from Q to the way all this stuff has been unfolding? Yep. So if you go back to the 2016 election and Obama's intelligence community uh, surveilling the Trump campaign illegally. Yep. What was the end goal of the surveillance of the Trump campaign? Well, they wanted to smear the Trump campaign, accuse Trump of colluding with Russia to hurt Trump's chances of getting elected. Right. Right. That was that was the number one plan in 2016. Right. That failed. So then the FBI crossfire hurricane investigation became the Mueller investigation after Trump was elected. Right. Yeah. So in, after Trump is inaugurated in January 2017, I think in May, the Mueller investigation begins. And what was the goal of the Mueller investigation? Get rid of the president. It was to remove Trump, was to get rid of the president, was to get, yeah. get Trump out of office. And they were going to do it. They knew that there was no collusion with Russia from the get-go. Lisa Page said, we've been investigating Trump for nine months and we had nothing, no evidence of collusion. So they knew that. <clears throat> Their only shot was getting rid of Trump by trying to manufacture evidence for obstruction of justice. So the Mueller, Mueller's team, Weissman and all those guys, they were trying to find a way to get Trump into an, a probably into a perjury trap is what it looks like. They mm -hmm. really wanted to get Trump per, in person to come in and testify so they could set up a perjury trap. And then he would be like General Flynn. They would get him in a perjury trap and they would, you know, say, oh, we got him. He lied. He's, he's obstructing justice. <clears throat> that was the plan, but the plan failed. So after the Mueller investigation ended, now get this. Mueller puts out his report and then he is called to testify before Congress, right? First, he does a public briefing, and then he goes and testifies before Congress. But what a lot of people don't know is the day after Mueller did his live testimony before Congress, that was the day that Trump spoke to President Zelensky. <laughs> huh. The day after Mueller testified before Congress, July 25th. Wow. So Trump has his call with Zelensky. Yeah. And... You have Alexander Vindman and a few other people in the National Security Council listening in on the call. And they go to Adam Schiff and say, hey, we can set up Trump. Let's have a whistleblower complaint. We'll say that he was involved in quid pro quo with, the, with Zelensky. And then we'll open an investigation and we'll impeach him over that. This uh, this whole thing, this, what this, this is like one long crossfire hurricane operation to just get rid of this president. It's, it is a, it's one long operation to get rid of Trump. So they open up, so they get the they get the whistleblower complaint, and they go to the inspector general, the one who's been fired now, Atkinson, and Atkinson helps facilitate the complaint. Now here's what a lot of people don't know: the complaint by the whistleblower actually violated the inspector general rules for accepting complaints. 
the inspector general on the complaint form that you fill out, it says you must have firsthand information. You cannot submit secondhand information for a whistleblower complaint. It says it on the form. I looked at it. All right, man. Atkinson accepted the. Oh, my gosh. And his and his justification was we have never in in the past not accepted secondhand information. So we're going to accept this complaint because we have established a history of allowing secondhand information to be in complaints. All right. So Schiff then takes the whistleblower complaint. He starts up an impeachment inquiry in the basement of Congress where none of Trump's surrogates could go in there and listen to what's going on. And they're doing all this, all this uh, interrogating, getting testimony. Right. I really hope everybody listening is just getting pissed off all over again. I really hope everybody (laughs) listening is just getting pissed off all over again, because this has been one nonstop attack to try to get rid of this president. It is. So Pelosi, Schiff and Nadler, they have their little witch hunt. They do their little impeachment thing. And then she violates several uh, policies, procedures and historical standards. She never actually took a vote in Congress to even launch the impeachment inquiry. She just unilaterally decided we're going to have an impeachment inquiry. And normally you have to have a vote in Congress. So it's on the record that they're actually going to do this. She never right. held a vote. She just did it. They, they, and they hurried to get this impeachment, the articles of impeachment. And then rather than giving them to the Senate, she hangs on to them. Congress goes on break. They come back three weeks later. And now it's now a month and it's January. And Nancy sends the articles of impeachment over to the Senate. Now, think about the time frame of all this. It's January. And if you listen to Trump talk about this whole the, the virus thing. What does he keep telling people? He says, hey, what was Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and what were they doing when this was? Oh, that's right. They were impeaching me. A lot of people are not making the connection. Trump is trying to get people to make the connection between the virus hitting in January and the impeachment going to the Senate in January. He's so he that would telling mean people there's a connection and you're not making the connection. So that would mean, and I hadn't made that connection yet either, that would mean that Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats would have been privy to this virus breaking out and making its way to the United States, is what that suggests. Because there was information coming out of China in December that this virus was going hot and it was spreading. So they knew, Trump knew about it in December. His intelligence community knew about December, and I'm sure members of Congress knew about it in December. Yeah. And they were going to wait until January after the impeachment got done in the Senate. This was going to be the next part of the operation. They were going to take this, spin it into a media cycle, crash the stock market, crash the economy. The first thing that they did, their first wave of attacks was Trump is not addressing this pandemic appropriately. He's not sending appropriate resources. He's not aggressive enough. There's not enough resources. It's not going to the right people. That was the initial wave of criticism. And the the criticisms of Trump have changed as Trump has responded to the, to the uh, epidemic, the pandemic. Well, Uh, the the criticism has changed, but the whole thing. 
So so what it what what the what the pandemic does is it takes Joe Biden off the debate stage. Uh, Bernie and Joe are pretty much done with debates. Joe doesn't do any public speaking at all anywhere. He's done. It was see the the public speaking thing because Hannity (laughs) keeps putting Joe's gaffes on his show every night about how Joe can't string two sentences together. This was all hurting the optics for Joe Biden. So the the closing down all public events immediately means Joe doesn't ever have to appear in public anymore until they get this thing over with. And that puts that essentially puts Joe's campaign on ice. Also, Trump is no longer holding rallies. Oh, how convenient. Trump can't go around the country and do any more rallies, right? So this that, that right the there, that, that makes sense to me as far as if there was a planned attack from the mainstream media, the liberal media and Democrats, because, you know, they're in cahoots. They're always sharing information that the, the politicians right. will give the mainstream media a story to run with just so the politicians can then go talk about the story that they gave them the information to run. It's like it's the whole, right. you know, Nancy even talks about it herself. There's that clip where she says, oh, yeah, this is how we create this and make this happen. So the connections between the mainstream media and the politicians, the Democrats, that understood that this virus was going to be something that was going to be, even if they didn't know how bad it could be, but they wanted America to believe it was going to be bad. They're pushing this narrative to do all these things that have now happened. Now we're people now we're generally here. believe whatever the media tells them. Yeah, people believe and what the media tell them. Yeah, now we're right? here. So now we're here. So Trump is no longer having any rallies now. Right. It was a week and a half. After Trump started doing his daily press conferences, which to me is hilarious because Jim Acosta has been tweeting about once or twice a month, lamenting the fact that Trump hasn't held any press conferences in 245 days. He's all angry and buttered (laughs) because Trump is not holding press conferences. And now Trump is doing press conferences every single day. Yeah. And all the media has to be there and they have to live stream it. And people are loving it. Trump's popularity is going up. People are seeing Trump as a leader. And it was a week and a half into these daily press conferences. Maggie Haberman tweets out, oh, check this out. These stupid press conferences are turning out to be 90 minutes, about the same length as a rally. Go figure. <laughs> right. So, so the media kind of figured out that Trump used their narrative, their, the cage that they kind of put him into. And Trump is a smart guy. He's like, oh, I'm not going to do any rallies. Fine. I'll do rallies from the White House yeah. <laughs> every day. He's doing it. Be here at He's three o'clock. It. We'll do uh, a live Q&A. And, and of course, because the media really are hateful, angry, vengeful, petulant little children at heart. If you if Trump puts them on camera, puts them on mic every single day, people see how evil the the reporters really are. Yes. How hateful they are, how vindictive they are. And they keep answer asking the same stupid questions day after day after day and attacking him over. He, he provides a a reasonable, logical answer and they attack him over it. And people are Americans are seeing that. And I think it's it's brilliant that the president's doing that because it's given Americans that may not have watched the president before or may not went to a rally 
It's given them an opportunity to see him in action, see his team and handle these questions that come from these reporters. And you're right. It's the same stupid questions. They keep trying to drive wedges or try to get him in a gotcha or gotcha or caught this person. It's just ridiculous. And just like pretty much everything else that the Democrats have and the mainstream media have thrown at this president, uh, it winds up it winds up getting shot back in their face. They wind up landing on their heads, I think, pretty bad. So what would you say? We were obviously in a pretty interesting time as Americans. You know, give us some hope. What are your thoughts as a Q person, as a person, a man of faith, as a man that loves this country and that supports this president? What do you see happening in the coming weeks, months and uh, and the election this year? What are your thoughts? I see a lot of good things happening. If you look at the way that Trump has responded to the attacks by the media, by the deep state politicians, Trump always manages to outgun these people. Like, here's a good example. They they boxed him into a situation with this pandemic where he has no expertise at all. You know, Trump can go toe-to-toe with General Mattis on Afghanistan. And when Mattis says, we need to keep our troops here, Trump says, you're fired. <laughs> we're, right. we're, we're getting out of Afghanistan, right? Yeah. Trump will go toe to toe with uh, leaders of industry because he's a businessman. He knows how industry works. He'll go to toe with you know, financial people. He can stand up against and, and argue his case with a lot of people from a lot of different fields of expertise he has no expertise at all in medicine. And the media and the politicians thought they could box him in and hammer him in an area where he had no expertise. Trump knew that. So he surrounded himself with a bunch of people with expertise in that subject. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't like Dr. Fauci, and that's fine. I'm not a big fan of his either. But Trump has surrounded himself with competent, intelligent, articulate people who can speak for him on these issues. And he doesn't have to be the one always getting slammed for not having the medical expertise. Right. Whenever he steps in and starts advocating for, you know, hydrochloroquine to be used more wider, the press immediately goes after him and says, you have no medical expertise. You're not a doctor. You shouldn't be doing that. So that is kind of telling what the media's strategy was in, in this whole thing. Trump, however, has done a really good job of letting the experts uh, address the press and the public and, and do his speaking for him. Now, going forward, this whole thing is going to the, the weather's getting nice. Uh, you live in Texas. I live in Arizona. You know, I was outside on my patio last night having dinner because it was like 80 degrees. And as soon as people, the weather gets nice, these wind, cold, winter you know, cold and flu viruses always go away. Yeah. But by summertime, by, you know, probably end of May, this thing is going to be gone. It'll be a a distant memory other than a lot of people have lost their jobs. Some people will have died. Unfortunately, that happens every year. We lose 30 to 70,000 people in America every year, just to the flu, not counting all the other illnesses that that crop up. Yeah. That's important. Uh, So, I see this. Trump is going to put this in his rearview mirror as the as the curve is starting to flatten right now. This week, he is already talking about putting America back to work, Mm -hmm. getting us back operating again. We can't do this. America is not designed this way. 
So Trump is going to, one way or the other, he is going to get America back to work. He's going to get people back to work. He's going to, the stock market, I believe, is going to take off like crazy. Yeah. I saw it's been kind of, the Dow has been kind of flat over the last week. It picked up a thousand points today. I think that the stock market will, will rebound pretty quickly. I think that businesses will respond. Trump is flooding, flooding the country with free money. You, if you have a business and you were impacted, you can get a loan that you don't have to pay back right. to help you get your business going, to help keep your payroll going. Now, I don't know what Trump's long-term plan is with the $6 trillion that he's going to have the Treasury push out there. And a lot of people are worried about that. I'm not because Trump is a smart guy. Trump and Mnuchin and Jared Kushner, these guys... They're, they've got some plan. They've got it figured out what they're going to do. I'm trusting these guys because they haven't screwed things up so far. So I think they yeah. have a plan. No, I, th- I don't know what that plan no. is. I know? think he's got a good plan. I, think, I, think I, I, I trust him over any Democrat trying to tell us yeah. what they're going to do with money, period. I, Imagine I if we had Hillary right now. Oh, my gosh. I, I remind myself and I try to remind my audience to be thankful every day that Hillary Clinton is not our president. It would be uh, it would be catastrophic. It would have led it would have led to straight communism had Hillary taken over. OK, they're, it's time to take over everything because we so we can take care of yeah. the people. It would have been the perfect platform, Here's for the that. perfect platform for that. Here's the thing. And we should be praying every day that they do not come to the take the step of trying to assassinate Trump because, as, as, because aside from that, I've been praying that they're for, not for, years. Pray that for, for years. Right. We all need to be praying every day that every Trump day, is kept even safe. Now, more. So they're, they're not going to remove Trump from office. It's not going to happen. He's going to get reelected. He is going to put in place his plan. I think he has a big plan to restructure the federal government mm-hmm. in a way that is very painful to the swamp and to uh, bureaucrats. I think Trump has a much bigger plan for restructuring the government than he's ever talked about publicly. Do you think I that think all that, of the stuff from Q, all the Q posts, the storm is coming or the storm is here and all the indictments, do you think that will happen in the next 30 days? No. So you think it'll be throughout this year or do you think he's going to wait until he gets into his second term? All right. So here's what we know. Because I like to go on what we know. Mm-hmm. We know from statements Attorney General Barr has made that the DOJ is currently investigating uh, the accomplices of Jeffrey Epstein. That's high level, you know, human trafficking, pedophilia, corruption, money laundering, all that stuff. We also know that U.S. Attorney John Huber has investigated matters related to Hillary Clinton. So Huber's office in Salt Lake City has investigated corruption in the government and foreign governments related to the sale of uranium one and corruption related to the Clinton foundation, which is a massive spider web of corruption. Oh, yeah. Uber has already investigated. Uber has already investigated all that. Barr told us last year. Well, yeah, last year, May, that Huber's investigation was winding down and they would eventually be bringing those cases to fruition. So when you go on pacer.gov and look at all those sealed cases, just imagine that a whole bunch of corrupt politicians and other people have some sealed indictments waiting to be unsealed. I think that's going to be later. Right now, in the immediate future, Barr has told us that U.S. Attorney Durham 
He is investigating Spygate corruption. So that is the illegal surveillance of Trump's campaign and unmasking and all the other crimes that go along with that. Uh, so that's yeah. Comey, Brennan, Clapper, yeah. Valerie Jarrett, Sally Yates, Susan Rice, all those people. Barr said that he believes Durham's investigation will be coming to a head late spring, early summer this year. So I suspect we're going to see some activity on the Spygate stuff. You know, it's really hard to predict timelines with DOJ. The yeah. uh, the IG, uh, sorry, the IG, the IG report on Carter Page's FISA application was about a year late on <laughs> being delivered. We were all waiting for that IG report to come out. And it was like 11 months later than when they first said it was going to be out. So it's really hard to predict timelines with Department of Justice. So with, these, said, with, with QAnons, with you QAnons, there's a varying degree I'm learning of when <laughs> when you believe things are going to be implemented. But it's all fascinating to me. I think yeah. there's so many different connections. There's so many different coincidences that, again, when you've got so many coincidences, eventually they're not coincidence anymore. coincidences anymore. Eventually, they're actually trying to tell you something or point in a certain direction. But I think that there is uh, there's a lot to to learn. I know the ultimate thing is every QAnon person I've spoken to, a lot of similarities with who Q is, who Q plus is, a lot of the reasonings behind it. But the main theme that I've felt and heard from everybody is the belief in a, in a cabal that's dealing in human trafficking, child trafficking, that that uh, that been about power, greed, money, and that the president is is going to take it down. So I, I am 100% with that and would love to see that, obviously, sooner than later. But obviously, this is chess, not checkers. When you're dealing with a scale of this magnitude, obviously, it has to be you know, handled in a, in a very pre precise and strategic way. But I appreciate everything that all of you QAnons bring. And you, again, hopefully my audience will, will follow you if you're not already following The Praying Medic on Twitter, on YouTube, and his podcast. Dave Hayes, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you on. Any final words of encouragement or anything for my audience that you'd like to share today? God has a plan. It is a good plan. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for our country. He has a plan for the world. And he is unveiling an awesome plan where we are going to live in a time of unparalleled, lavish abundance. You can take that to the bank. Well, I believe that too, my brother. And I believe that Donald Trump being president is key and pivotal to that taking place. So uh, thank you for that word, Dave. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you, my brother. I'd love to check back with, with you again in the future. We'll stay connected. All right. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Dave. Say bye to your bride for me. Goodbye, Denise. Bye, Denise. <laughs> So friends, there you have it. There's another individual that follows Q that knows a lot of the ins and outs, but the central theme is, is very similar to, uh, to Joseph and what he had to share. The facts are, if you want to know more about the Q, what they believe, again, follow Praying Medic, check out his uh, YouTube. He has a lot of very informed videos on there to expound on, on, on everything that he talks about and links of where you can find it. But I think, uh, I hope that this episode brought some clarity and some more information and more reasons for you to do your own investigations. We all know that we got plenty of time now on our hands. And if you're not researching that or listening to my podcast, then maybe you should get started writing your own book too, like Dave is doing. 
So God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please share this episode with a few friends. And if you haven't already, give me five stars and make sure you subscribe if you like what you hear. We'll talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye.